Hello and welcome to episode 50 of The Brand Lounge, where every Thursday we feature insightful brand stories to showcase the hundreds of ways that businesses are started, the ups and downs of being an entrepreneur, and to inspire you to build your business your way. I'm Tammy Heels, your host and founder of Shadowcat Creative, where I'm a personal brand and marketing consultant. And today I am once again joined by Stacey Shipman, who is a speaker, consultant, and founder of Engage the Room and host of her podcast, Shed the Formality. Welcome back to the show, Stacey. Thanks, Tammy. So excited to get into this today. If you missed the last episode, listeners, Stacey and I discussed all things networking, so be sure to check that one out if you missed it. But today, let's dive into your business, Stacey. So could you start by sharing what it was that inspired you to create um, Engage the Room and kind of where your business journey started? So Engage the Room became the business name, I think it was 2018, 2019, after I left the corporate world in 2006. So I had a market research background. And the reason I left actually was a work environment that did not was not a positive one. And the the CEO was tasked with selling the company, which meant that in our small, I think it was 20 people, 20 employees, we all, no matter our role, we all had to become salespeople so that they could beef up revenue to sell the company. And that was a problem for me because I wasn't a salesperson. I was an analyst. And, uh, and they didn't offer any training. They didn't offer, you know, any questioning around, you know, are you, are you even interested in, in going down this path with us? What he did do though, the CEO was called the analyst into his office individually. And uh, for me anyway, he said, you're a top performer. And if you don't start selling, I'm going to fire you. Great. And I just, I shut down and I said, I'll show you buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and I quit and started my own thing. And for anyone who's ever left a job and started their own thing, you have to sell if you want that thing to get off the ground. So, (laughs) uh uh-oh. But, but I left in 2006. That was, that was the main reason. So, so it was a primarily emotional decision. I didn't have a big grand plan, Um, stayed long enough to get a bonus so I could pay off some car bill, you know, car debt and things like that. And then I got into the wellness field because that was my passion at the time. And I was a yoga teacher, a fitness instructor, and started to do some stress management programs. But through all that, I had to network, I had to sell, I had to speak and talk about my business. And I didn't know how to do any of that. So even though I had all these credentials and I was good at what I did, I didn't know how to talk about my work. And I either needed to get another job or figure out how to do that. So I did what I always do. Like a pattern for me is just digging in and doing the work when things matter to me and having a business and being out on my own was definitely something I wanted to do. I did not want to go back in the corporate world. So I stepped in to (laughs) all the things that I was afraid of. And all and uh, you know, joined Toastmasters. I worked with coaches, attended all the conferences and classes and networking events, and took on different leadership roles. Everything that forced me to put myself out there in some way, and started all sorts of entrepreneurial projects throughout that. Different websites and women's conferences. Um, started to teach public speaking and networking and presentation skills to companies. A lot of it. I fell into, and some of it I chose to do. 
Uh, but through it all, what I learned was that uh, formality weighs a ton. And when I say formality, I mean these beliefs and behaviors that we tend to learn or build up over time, you know, from a corporate environment, from family belief systems, from our own personal experiences, they can really weigh on us. And when we have the fortitude to let go of them, we can step into more of who we really are and feel more comfortable in all these different settings we have to be in, networking, speaking, selling, uh, leadership, facilitating a meeting, whatever interaction that puts us out there in some way uh, can feel natural when we step into who we are. And, and that's really how we build relationships, get our ideas heard and have the impact that, that we want to have. So it's, um, I had to step out of restraint and be who I am. And now that's what I bring to clients and, and audiences through Engage the Room is how can you do this similar thing for yourself? Yeah, that sounds just incredible. And I I love the mild dose of irony that comes with the not wanting to be a salesperson to have to become a salesperson. But hey, look, if it's for yourself, slightly different. That's really interesting. So there are there are a couple there are many things that I want to dig into with this, but right, let's start with. So kicking it back to where you were faced with this decision where it's like, I can either continue within this company and clearly not, not your jam, which is fine. Or you can branch off and pursue a business of your own. Um, I know that a lot of the listeners who are out there, maybe at that stage where they're like, I still have a full-time job. I kind of want to go out on my own. I don't really know how to make that step. How do I make that decision? And I know that ultimately it literally just comes down to one decision, but could you talk a little bit through maybe your process of how you made that decision and how you kind of came to to really leave the corporate world and go and pursue that passion? I think there's, uh, for me, it came down to be in enough pain. Mm-hmm. Do I have the desire to make a change and do something different? Do I have the support I need, both emotional and financial? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and am I willing to do the work that it's going to take to make this happen. Those are four main questions that I, anytime I've gone through change, but including back then that um, I had to really think about before I made the leap. And I was lucky enough to have, (laughs) I mean, pain isn't lucky, but I was, I had, my answer was yes to all four of those questions. And so I was able to step out and I, I didn't, I didn't really have a, business. I mean, I called it a business, but really I was teaching yoga and fitness in different studios and uh, making ends meet that way as I put myself out there and started meeting people and exploring opportunities. Because like I said, I didn't have a plan. So I didn't, I didn't even know what, I didn't know what I was doing, where I was going, who I was doing it for and who I needed to talk to. I mean, I don't recommend what I did to anybody. I don't. I think we rarely do, but... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess there's pros and cons. A plan could be really rigid. Mine was almost too open. Yeah. So somewhere in the middle would have been nice. That's interesting because from everything that you said, like stepping away from the corporate where you were more of an analyst role um, and then moving through to the well-being and the fitness space. And then now where you run Engage the Room. So you host these networking events, you help others with learning to take space and find their voice and everything else. 
the way that you described it sounded like it all flowed rather smoothly, which wonderful. In <laughs> hindsight, would you say <laughs> that was fair? Would I think more is kind of along this journey because now that you've been out on your own for what was it like 15 years that you said, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. are there any particular hardships or successes either way? that you feel have really influenced how that journey's kind of led you to where you are now? Uh, my husband was a huge influence because anytime I've started something new and had that, how do I do this? Or how do I become a speaker? How do I get this off the ground? He's like, you just tell people you do it. You know, when I said, how do I become a speaker? He said, you just tell people that you're, that you speak. That's <laughs> like, but I've never done it. I don't even have a talk. He's like, yeah, you figure it out after. So he, he was a big influence in, in providing some of that push that I needed. And sure enough, I did start telling people that I was a speaker and, and they started hiring me to speak of all things. Crazy how that works. I have definitely fallen so many times. I mean, from just my own nerves, you know, having to stand up in a crowd and talk about my work I'm feeling my heart race and my cheeks turn red. This was when we could meet in person in the early days of my business. Oh my God. I mean, that was horrifying. I mean, I've, I've pushed through so much fear and anxiety. I, I, and, and hearing, you know, when I did, like I said, the speaking, the first time I got hired to speak, the feedback I got was, well, we could tell you're new. And I was like, Oh, you know, I didn't want, I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore. So, you know, it's like the, the feedback that we hear that I've heard, my husband's been a big influence and through that learning, being willing to take a chance on myself and on a project and pull the plug if it's not working. I, I, you know, I've pulled the plug on a lot of projects that in hindsight, I wish I hadn't pulled the plug on. And I think in part, it was fear of being successful uh, and also not knowing how to really make the project financially viable. Yeah, I hear that. I understand that. I, I mean, the fear of success is something that I, it's such an oxymoron that I never thought never crossed my mind until someone pointed it out one of my business coaches was like oh are we feeling a little bit scared of success it's like that's stupid no oh wait yeah maybe (laughs) that's a big one I don't think we talk about that enough but that is a big one so that's been and to be honest you know when I think about challenges for me there's been so many I don't think we have time for all of them. But if we stick with this fear of success, that was something I really had to dig into because just as my projects were at a tipping point of probably going somewhere really grand, I pulled the plug. And um, I mean, I could sit here with regret, but but after doing the work, I had to do some healing work around that. It's like, why am I pulling the plug on these projects that are going well and that I'm actually enjoying doing? Um, and, and it went back to third grade when I I was a math whiz back then, had my, you know, multiplication tables and addition and subtraction and all that. And we used to play this game, like a flashcard game. And the teacher would hold up a flashcard and, and someone would get it started. So a student would stand next to another student in class and whoever answered the uh, equation first got to continue. And I always won until one day the teacher said, Stacy, you have to sit out to give someone else a chance 
play. Right. And I held on to that as if you're good and successful at something, you're going to leave people behind. Oh, yeah. And, and that you're not going to have that other people are, oh my God, I've never been emotional about this. And that other people are not going to have a chance to showcase their talents. And I, it, and so I, after doing some healing work around that, I was like, holy crap. So I've been, I had been holding myself back in an effort to not hold other people back. And that's a disservice to everybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, I think it's really eye-opening. And we talked a lot around that emotional level of business in the last episode that we recorded, because I think that and I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to make sweeping generalizations as whether it's just female or whether it's male or whether it's whatever, but like there is a massively emotional roller coaster that comes along with running a business that I never expected. And uh-huh. so many others, I think you go into this expecting strategy and finances and progress and numbers and statistics, because that's what you're taught in the corporate world. You're not taught the emotional connection because you don't have an emotional connection to someone else's business when you're an employee of thousands. So, you just hit it. Yeah. So many of us, especially service-based businesses, we start these businesses because of our own ideas, our own um, passion, I guess. Um, and it's really hard to promote what's ours. I mean, wholeheartedly ours yeah. is a very vulnerable place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's promoting ourselves, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's always tricky. Mm-hmm. But we've talked about, I mean, obviously you've experienced success along the way, where you are now and things have changed and pivoted and grown throughout your business. Mm-hmm. Were there any key moments of, from the opposite side, any key real, oh my goodness, I can't believe that this is what I'm doing now moments that have really stuck with you? Yes. I think my my favorite and biggest moment was, um, and it was a project I pulled the plug on, but it was a women's retreat that I used to hold. I did it for a couple of years. It was a full day conference style with all the breakout sessions. And, you know, I rented a hotel and um, had about a hundred women that attended. And uh, it was absolutely amazing. It was the hardest work I've ever done professionally. And it's the only work that's ever kept me up at night because it was, because it was so, I mean, it was a hundred percent from my heart, you know, just the concept, the idea concept, uh, promoting it, making it happen. I mean, digging into the details and how to make this day the absolute most amazing day for these women. Uh, it was everything. And uh, it's the only thing that kept me up at night worrying about how am I going to get people there? Are they going to want to come to my party? All the, all that stuff. Um, and then at the end, cause it was an emotional, I would, I would call it an emotional well-being retreat. So it was a lot of yoga meditation, uh, some reflective, um, kind of programming, mindfulness, creativity, salsa dance. I mean, we had a little bit of everything and it was a, um, you know, wear your yoga pants. This is not a power. It was a no PowerPoint zone. You're going to move, breathe, explore. And, and at the end of it, to hear the feedback, everything from I didn't know I needed this to I could have been best friends with all the presenters to I made some business connections, even though it wasn't a business event. Oh, man. I mean, overflowing with joy, overflowing. When I, my husband and I went to dinner that night after the first one, we were actually having a giant snowstorm. 
and we're walking in the wind and the snow and it was on the ocean. So the waves are crashing. And when we toasted our glass of wine, I just started bawling my eyes out. Like that's how full I felt um, from doing this experience. It was absolutely amazing. That's incredible. And to bring that to so many others as well, is just absolutely magical. And hopefully something you can do again in the future, if you so choose. <laughs> no, I wanted to do it in 20. I was planning to do it again. Well, this year, 2021, at the beginning of 2020, I was like, I'm going to bring that event back because it was awesome. And then the pandemic had other plans for me, but wow, we <laughs> work our way around these things. <laughs> maybe 2022, maybe 2022. Maybe awesome. So, I mean, we've talked around how your business changed since you originally started. I think the bit that I'm really curious about is you move from like the well-being space, and like you were saying, you didn't really have a plan, and you were very open with just seeing what worked for you and trying new things, but. Do you feel that now your business is more structured and more planned or do you still kind of embrace that very open way of approaching kind of the world? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny you asked this because just this week I've been thinking about this. I think that um, there's a little bit of both. So what I evolved into, and, and I did do some rebranding work last summer during the pandemic to figure out is what I do still relevant? And if so, how in a pandemic world where we can't gather in person? So I, I worked with somebody and all the project, all the work, all the projects I've ever done, which to an outsider look very disconnected, right? So hosting this women's retreat, starting an online health and wellness magazine, uh, teaching presentation skills and networking all sound incredibly disconnected. But what she helped me see is that my thread is actually, it's around challenging status quo. It's about shedding these quote unquote formalities that keep us in a box or that stifle us from, from being creative, from putting our ideas out there, from putting ourselves out there, no matter what project I had, that was the, that was the red thread is how do I do this differently than someone else so that it's that much more meaningful um, and so by doing that, it made me realize that there's actually, there's two sides now of what I do. One is that open, I have ideas, let's experiment with them. Um, and that's for a number of reasons. One, because it feels good. And two, because then I can practice what I'm teaching other people. And then the other side of the business is, you know, it's really about removing the barriers that keep people from putting themselves out there. And I have to do that myself if I'm going to, support others in doing that too. So, so it's a little bit of both. I love that though. I think that it's a wonderful mix to have. And exactly what you said there, something that I have found particularly with my clients, but just in general with my friends and with myself is having that space to explore those ideas that you do come up with because you know, I'm a self-proclaimed um, ideas windmill. Like I get so mm -hmm. many ideas for myself, mm -hmm. for others, for so much but I never give them or never used to really give them that space to see if they could grow into something. And exactly what you were saying there, having a plan, but having that flexibility built in to explore and play within your business. Oh, it's just game changing. It makes everything feel so much more fun. Like having free time at school, like you needed it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I think the other thing I've learned and even talking to a lot of other solo professionals or micro businesses is like, we're in charge. 
You know, if you were an employee to business owner, it's a very difficult transition. And I don't think people talk about that transition enough because a lot of us, I put myself in that. It took me a long time to make that transition. When you start your own thing, you are in charge. You can run your business however the heck you want. And if it stresses somebody else out, that's their problem. And I know this is a lot easier to say than to really do. Uh, but the reality is when we start our own thing, we can, we can do what we want. Um, and if there's ideas and problems that we want to solve, go solve them. Yeah, brilliant advice. And the employee to entrepreneur is something... It's, it is something that I don't think is covered enough. I did an episode on it on my experiences ages ago. It was one of the first 10 episodes, I think, just because, yeah, it's realizing that the different frameworks that you have and the different structure and expectations and reward system, everything that you that you have as an employee is literally flipped on its head and mm-hmm. draw on your own as an entrepreneur essentially you're on your own as an entrepreneur until you pick the people that you want around you so yeah it's it's really tricky and it's really interesting to hear your experience of that because yeah it's it's something that we all go through but we don't always give time to to think about um so the other part of running a business and the part that obviously I have a self-inflicted interest in would be branding your business has changed quite dramatically over the years and now your business name is engage the room and your podcast which I know you rebranded in I think it was November last year wasn't it November 2020 which is shed the formalities is that right Mm -hmm. yep perfect so all of that feels like knowing you and having these conversations with you and exploring kind of what it is that you offer makes sense to me. And I can absolutely see why that's come through. But how was it that you ended up choosing your business names? Like what was the thought process that you went through and how did you come to that decision? So when I came up with Engage the Room, again, that was a couple of years ago now, it, I, you know, I had been doing a lot of, like I said, the public speaking, coaching, presentation, training, team building. And I found that after years of doing that, and I was promoting it primarily under my, my own name, because that work just fell into my lap. I didn't set out to have a business. Um, and what I found myself evolving into as I really found a rhythm with that work and what it what it really means is it was all about, I, I kept questioning my clients or groups, what's your relationship to the message, to the audience, to yourself in the situation? What do you want you know, to get out of this? And I found that it, it wasn't about the person. It was about the impact they have on others. So when I started to think about a business name, um, I wa- a, wanted to make sure that came through, that this wasn't about you as a person only. Um, and then the other thing was I, I was listening to what people would tell me, um, you know, in terms of, of how they, what they wanted as a result of improving these skills and, and that concept of, you know, I want people to stop looking at their phones and be more engaged was a running thread. And so I came up with, you know, there's the phrase own the room and, and all of that. And, and I was like, engage the room. Maybe people want to engage the room. And then I ran it by a few people and uh, my husband was one of them and, and he got it right away. And I was like, well, if you get it, then this has to be a good name. Because <laughs> you tell me otherwise. 
Um, and, and people, so what happened when I would share that with people is they said, oh, that could be so many things. It could be culture. It could be leadership, you know, communicating with people. It could be marketing. It could be so many things. And I'm like, yeah, that's what it's going to be. Um, Cause I was working in communication and in those different spaces. So that's how the name and the URL was available, which amazed me and all that good stuff. So that's where the name came from. I love that. Ago. I love that fundamentally your business name is making it more than just the speaker, even though it's the speaker that you're helping. Yeah. I think that that's, yeah, it's wonderful. I love hearing stories behind how the <laughs> business names came up. And then with your podcast, was that again, just a, a, a splash of inspiration that had you, was it a phrase that you use frequently that you chose? No, <laughs> that was part of the process I went through last summer, summer 2020 with um, an outside con- uh, consultant. I hired a copywriter. Um, she's out of Oregon in the United States. So she's on a different coast from me. I didn't know her, but I loved her message, which was uncage your epic credential. And she, you know, her whole thing was around, you got to she used language like tilt your circumstances to see them in a different light, crack open your story. I mean, it was like heavy hitting language. And I thought I'm like, that's what I need someone to do for me. I need someone to look at all these projects that look disconnected to people and find the commonality. I said, cause I knew it was there. I just was too close to put my finger on it. So I ended up hiring this woman during the pandemic so that I could emerge stronger, differently, and and more grounded in what I was doing. Um, And together, our work together is where Shed the Formality came from, Um, which was the, so my epic credential is what highlighted this message and central idea of formality weighs a ton, and we have to get strong to drop it. And that's when we can step into who we are and feel more natural when we're interacting with people in all different ways. Yeah, literally lifting the weight off of him. Lifting the weight, that tension relaxation um, from my favorite quote. Yes, yeah. Which absolutely. I don't remember if I said that in this conversation or the last conversation. You, you can share it. What's your favorite quote? <laughs> my favorite quote is tension is who you think you should be. Relaxation is who you are. So it's go. all those formalities that create the tension. Yeah. And it's, it's just insane because as soon as you shared that quote the first time, whether it was this episode or the one before, <laughs> <I remember. laughs> instantly I'm like, yeah, I get that. And I get that within what it is that you do as well. It just feels, and, and it was that moment of realization where I think that we have moments of realization, two different magnitudes about the same thing over and over and over again. And every now and then you just need to be reminded and that was one of those that I was like, oh, yeah, got to remember that. Yeah. <laughs> it's heavier to be someone else. <laughs> it, it's exhausting to be someone else. And that I know that sounds grand, like be someone else uh, versus yourself. But, but when I talk to people and work with people, some of these changes are so tiny. I mean, it could be as simple as the person who's told me, I have to give this webinar or presentation, but I don't want to use a PowerPoint. And I'm like, don't use the PowerPoint. I mean, (laughs) you know, it's that simple. Um, Tell the, you know, whoever's running the show, 
I don't use PowerPoint. I do that all the time. Nobody has ever said, oh no, we need your PowerPoint. If anything, they say, oh, thank God. <laughs> you, just, you just saved us money or what, you know, whatever. So again, it goes back to that taking charge. But the point is the tension relaxation can be something that like to stand or to sit when you're talking to people, especially on Zoom. You know, we tend to sit a lot. That changes our energy. So a simple change could be stand up give yourself space to, you know, I'm standing as we record this right now. So it doesn't have to be these big grand, who am I changes. It could be something so simple that we do every day. I think it's almost, it's little permission slips that we give ourselves or little permission slips that we look to others for, that we are perfectly capable of giving ourselves. But we right. <laughs> So true. We're always waiting for permission. Um, and then just what I said about your, your presentation of self is impacts other people. And so, you know, you do these things in service of others. We stand to have more energy. So we get our message across. So we impact others in a greater way. We don't use PowerPoint so that we're not boring people so that we get our message across and we're impacting them in a more powerful way. So it's in service of others. Yeah, absolutely. It's really interesting actually, isn't it? Because how you how you conduct and embrace the way that you choose to do things will have a different impact on the people that you're doing them. I don't wait, no, not doing them too. That sounds weird. <laughs> people you're talking interacting to, interacting with. with. <laughs> I've done, I've made that same verbal error. <laughs> it's fine. That can stay in. We're all good. Um, cool. So you talked about investing in a copywriter. Um, I really love to, get insights from other business owners to understand kind of the impact that branding has on how they feel as business owners. So when you went through this rebranding process, what, what did that kind of bring up again, we're going back to that emotional connection, but how did that kind of impact you as a business owner? How did you feel going through that process? Oh my God, It was amazing. I've never done this. I've never done this kind of work before. So it was my first time and the depth of questioning um, that it forced me to do, and the 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 way that the language we came up with was just it was so strong, it was different, you know. I mean, nobody else is saying shed the formality. It allowed me to see one this epic credential, which is basically a, a new story or bio. It's your brand story. So it allowed me to see what my expertise really is. And my expertise is not necessarily in communication. My expertise is creating these environments for people to do the work, to relinquish these formal protocols that stifle them so that they can be more effective in all these different areas. So my expertise uh, I saw my expertise differently, which just automatically boosted my confidence. Um, two, I could see how having a solid, strong story like this would either attract people or repel them. And that is so okay with me because I don't want to, I don't want to have to conform myself, but by sh being able to share this language and this story, people will either get it or not. And that's amazing. Um, and then it allowed me to start charging and packaging what I do differently because my whole premise is around doing the work. And prior to this, when I would work with companies, you know, they might call and say, we just need a half day session or something. 
And that always drove me nuts because you can't build a, you can't scale a business a half a day at a time. Right. So <laughs> what this made me realize was no, half a day is not doing the work. If you want to work with me, we're going to work for 90 days and it's going to be four sessions and it's going to be one-on-ones. And then all of a sudden the price was that much greater and the work was that much more in depth and people started buying it. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so it changed. And then the final piece is that I finally had an elevator speech, if you will, with language that I felt comfortable saying. And it didn't have the word, I hope people communicate better, which I never felt comfortable with. Um, and when I say it now, people actually have visceral responses like, oh my God, shed the formality. That's why I like coming to your events. That's what, you know, that's, they get it and it resonates. So that, that's the final piece. Changed everything. It changed everything. That's so wonderful to hear because it, it's the number of businesses I see out there with generic brand values, generic language that they're using. And like, I, I've done it as well because we fall back to what's easy, but like exactly everything that you've been saying so far is like, you need to be able or comfortable or willing to take that risk of shedding what feels comfortable to really embrace with who you are. Because when you do that, that's when your business can really become what you are capable of becoming. And that whole process is magic, absolutely magic. And it's wonderful to, I mean, I know that this is audio, sorry, listeners, but watching you talk about it and the energy that's coming through from it is just wonderful because when you feel that up about your business and excited for it and fizzing with all of these ideas, anyone who talks to you not only hears the words that you're using and resonates and connects with those, but also they connect with the feeling that you're just kind of exuding. Well, and we talked about this a little bit in this episode, but also in the last one, that digging into emotion. And and that's something I continue to learn when I speak, when I'm doing my stand-up comedy classes, singing lessons. The question that keeps coming up is, why are you telling this joke what, well, you know, what's the emotion behind it? Or if I'm singing, what's the emotion behind this song? What does this song mean to you? And really doing this branding work, that was it. It was digging into the emotion and the feelings. She would ask questions like, what do you rail against in your industry? What do you, you know, it wasn't like, what do you believe? It's like, what do you rail against? And so you look at things from different angles to really dig into the emotion behind it. And I would, find myself, I'm like, oh, everything's so boring. Boring is, people just think it, it's boring because that's what they see. They don't know there's a different way. And it just helped come up with some of the, the language that, and then I got, I'm like, oh man, I feel bad for web designers I've worked with in the past for like all these people <laughs> because until you have your that clarity of brand messaging, you really can't do the other pieces. I get it. I get it now. Yeah, it's really, it's such a weird premise to think about because you literally had all of that inside of you. Like all of that is purely you, but it takes someone else to be able to help you kind of unpick all of the layers that you've built up around it. Um, And it, it always comes back in my mind, it always comes back to expectations and assumptions. We hold certain expectations and assumptions around everything that we say, do and act and be when actually we don't necessarily believe them. They're just there because we've kind of picked them up along the way. Yep. Learned behavior. I call it learned behavior. That would be a better way of putting it. 
<laughs> and that was some of the language we came up with in the branding work. So that's why it was so easy for me to say. Um, but we do, we learn from all different places and it, it uh, it's not bad. I mean, some of it helps us cope through difficult times. And, yeah. and then we all, you know, get to a point where, where those same things don't help us anymore. And we have to figure, I mean, we have to drop them. And that's very, I'm not, that is not an easy process. No, um, no it's not. But, and like um, you were saying as well, it's about, you know, repelling the people who don't necessarily connect with it. And that's okay too. Like there are places to use plain everyday language that people expect to hear because it makes them feel safe. But if you want to work with people who are sick of feeling safe and that's where you want to be working, then you kind of need to ditch the language that they're fed up of hearing. Both work. Both are fine. But from a selling perspective, to be able to have this kind of language, it it makes the sales process quicker. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because... Again, because they're either going to get it or they're not. It's like my process is to shed formalities, like, you know, blah, 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 this kind of thing. And people, I mean, the, the people I'm talking to have loved it. Uh, and I'm sure the people not reaching out to me don't love it. Yeah, which is, <laughs> but it's you know, saves everyone time. <laughs> and you don't have to conform anymore. You know, I mean, it's just, this is who I am. It's what I believe. When I think back to being a, a young girl, I was always challenging the status quo it's just that is who i am and why do i have to do it that way that doesn't make any sense i don't like doing it that way i'm not doing it that way i mean i've always been like that <laughs> you can't make me do that i love that i love that it, that is bringing this kind of power and essence to your business it's just like shh, not gonna do it in a normal way why what is normal what is professional mm-hmm. oh amazing so um Right. So one of the questions that I ask every week that I know is really helpful for the listeners as well is um, what is the most effective or your favorite way of marketing your business? I have an inkling of what you're going to say, but go for it. <laughs> I just love networking and talking to people. Really, that face-to-face, -face, nothing beats the face-to-face -face interaction. I know it takes more time and you know, but business and relationships, it's a long game and we have to be willing to be consistent and be in it. But, you know, for me, what I love about it is, I mean, I'm better that way, you know, because you even said the, the emotion and the, the nonverbal components of our communication, the, the energy that we feel, but we can't see, so we can't put our finger on it. That's, for me, that's what's always been the, the growth factor um, for my, my work and getting people to my events and it's, it's showing up, being there and being able to really build trust. I mean, you can type anything you want. You can edit a picture any way you want and present online an image that you want to present. Anybody can do that. But, but I mean, has, have you, Tammy or anyone listening, have you ever met, quote unquote, met someone online through text who uses maybe a lot of exclamation marks and you get this, you get this sense that they're going to be super energetic, high energy. And then when you meet in person, you're like, wait, what? I mean, that's happened to me so many times where, you know, my email exchange or text exchange or social media exchange has been one that led me to think this was going to be a high energy, you know, conversation. And when I meet them, my ener the energy is so low. 
And I'm like, oh, I, hmm, this is disappointing. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm a big, big fan of face-to-face. I am not surprised. I, <laughs> it's almost like you should run a network and teach people how to engage rooms. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I absolutely get what you're saying. When it comes to like emails and text messages, I mean, as a designer, my biggest pet peeve is that there aren't more font choices for text messages because fonts have so much personality. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't get it across. And like he said, I think meeting face to face or even on Zoom. I mean, I still class Zoom as face to face. I don't know if others do, but that's where we're at right now. Um yeah, everything, the passion and the words and and that connection and the ability to talk with multiple people and have it within your control of who how you move and how you speak to people is just yeah, there's nothing quite like it. Is there? nothing and you can and you can get that now of course not to the extent as in person but you can get that on zoom you can yeah it's not quite as easy but it's still there for a podcast that's why I love podcasting too is you get to hear people's stories and what is interesting to them it's a great medium yes I am a big fan of podcasts I was a big fan of the listener before I created mine um, and now I just, it's just spurred me on to listen to more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Just love hearing people's stories. <laughs> people are interesting. That's one thing I've learned. I mean, having been, uh, I mean, you know, I won the quietest girl award in sixth grade. So I had a, a head down, mouth shut mentality, you know, just do your work, stay safe, all that good stuff. And, and as I've evolved and grown and kind of lifted my head up, if you will, uh, people are really interesting. If, if we give them the opportunity to share those parts of them, I think that's what we need more of. And that's what's going to change the world. Yeah, I feel like the reason that I love podcasts, both listening and hosting so much is because it's such a focused conversation, but it's a focused conversation where you're inviting someone to share much more than you probably would if you were just down the pub or meeting for coffee. Mm-hmm. Like I can't imagine a scenario where we would have been having a two hour conversation like this over like in, in our natural world, so to speak. Whereas with a podcast, it's like, this makes sense and Mm. it feels good and it feels natural and it's interesting. And it's, you know, it excites me. I love hearing about how other people started their businesses. And this is why I wanted the brand story episodes are so important to me Mm. because you know, no one has started a business the way that you have, Stacey. And I love hearing that. And I love hearing your journey and how things have developed and where that's led you to now. It's just, maybe I'm just really nosy. I know I'm really nosy. That's oh, I'm I definitely did. nosy. My <laughs> husband, I'm like, I'm like the person peeping in the window. like, well, what are, they, what are they doing in there? They got, no, I'm a <laughs> voyeur. I'm very voyeuristic. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, we have that on tape. Um, <laughs> perfect. I think that that's probably the best place to wrap this up today. Um, the last question that I'm going to ask is, do you have one key piece of advice from your business journey that you would like to share with the listeners today? Just like one last thought thought that you would like to leave them with? I think um, make sure you have the right support around you. People who will challenge you respectfully and also encourage you and support you, especially if you are an idea person and there's a lot of different directions that you you want to go or problems you want to solve. Make sure you have people around you that can see 
you know, can support the vision that you have and not try to drag you down or call you crazy. Or is that just me? But yeah, (laughs) the people you surround yourself. You you know that they're agreeing with you for the right reasons. (laughs) Well, they they understand what you're trying to do and what your vision is, and they're willing to support that and also challenge you when, when needed hold you accountable. So having that right support system at home and professionally is, I think, of utmost importance. Yeah, I think that's fantastic. It's a perfect place to end. So where can our listeners find more about you online? They can find me at engagetheroom.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn. And uh, the website will have all the the podcasts and events and things like that. So it's a one-stop shop. Perfect. And what I'll do is pop all of the links as always into the show notes. So you can go and have a look at Stacey's website, her social profiles, and also potentially sign up for a networking event. I would love that. Test drive your first one for free. Perfect. So that is, yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today, Stacey. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Tammy. And listeners, if you're enjoying the podcast, um, I have one favor to ask, which is, can you tell just one other person about it? Um, Just tell one other person about the brand lounge, about the podcast and the kind of episodes and conversations that we're having over here, because it really does help the podcast to grow. And it means that I can continue to bring you these wonderful guests every Tuesday and Thursday. And until next time, head on over to our Instagram or Facebook community with the links in the show notes and we can continue these conversations in the Brand Lounge.